on KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. It's Chatterbox, where you'll find the latest news, interviews, and updates about the gaming world. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, the guests, and the callers only, and not necessarily those of KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And now, here's your host for Chatterbox. You ever get that feeling that that announcer had like a, a flask nearby when he was announcing? If if your job was to do nothing but announce shows like ours, yeah, uh, I think you would need a flask. I, I, I think so too. He's, <laughs> ne- next time that happens, which will be like in a week, like just listen to the way he kind of like slurs at the end. Who's your host now? Yeah, he's got that smooth radio voice though. So that's okay. That's what I'm going to call it next time I'm drunk. Nice. That's very good. All right, so as you heard, this is Chatterbox. Um, Alon is not present. Where is he? Like Serbia or something, fighting wolves? Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's. I don't know. I think he's fighting for the people, though. Some group. He's, he's fighting for something. We yeah. don't know what it is yet, and he probably doesn't know either. Maybe he's fighting for the wolves against the people. But anyway, he's not here, so um, we're going to enjoy our show, and he won't be here next week either. Uh, so my name is Ara, and uh, my name is Eric Hawkins. And we've also got a special guest, and one who only goes by the name... My name is Trapper. Uh, thanks for having me again, you guys. And your, see, your name is so awesome that you could like you could be like a share, I think. Kind of like Madonna. Like really? a Madonna, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah. You, your name is an occupation. That's true. Yeah. I like it. It's also from MASH, though, and that's where my parents got it uh, from, so... Nice. It's not that. Oh, see, now the mysticism. <laughs> I know, right? The, the mystical clouds have cleared, and there's like a milk carton. It's there. actually really cool. And But I notice as I get older, people start to be like, well, where's that from? Whereas 10 years ago, people were like, oh, Trapper John from MASH. Mm-hmm. But now it's your middle name showing John? my age. No, it's not. Oh, yeah. So it's, they wouldn't go that far. Yeah. So so Trapper is, you are, you're a coder extraordinaire. Oh, thank you. I will say that because you won't. <laughs> And uh, later on, he'll tell us about some cool things he's working on. Um, but since uh, this is Chatterbox, and actually, it's kind of game-related anyway. So. Yeah, totally. So, But we're going to talk about game games, and then later on, we'll talk about uh, development games. Yeah? Yeah, cool. sounds, Sweet. sounds awesome. So, um, so the biggest thing, I think the biggest piece of news this week is this Duke Nukem scandal, yeah? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about it too much last week, did we? No, we were kind of fixated on E3. We're still coming down. Yeah. From the oh, before I forget, because I totally did, if anybody wants to call, um, because we have so many callers and it's so hard to get in, I'll give out the phone number. It's 866-536-1100. Um, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, do not call. If you're listening live, um, then you probably have to... Uh, Listen to us. Okay, I'm not going to do that joke again. Anyway, give us a call. <laughs> We're here. We might want to talk to you. Maybe we'll say something that pisses you off and you really want to call in. Okay, so Duke Nukem scandal, right? So Duke Nukem Forever, what? It came out like last week, right? Uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, and it came out to abysmal reviews. Mm-hmm. Like so bad. The the Metacritic score, you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. It's Yeah, it's not favorable to say the least. And, you know, it's almost it's almost unfair I mean, before we get to the point of this, but it's it's almost unfair because I don't know what people could have possibly been expecting. Because, um, you know, if this game would have come out on time, it would have been ahead of the curve. The scores are up. So the last time I looked, <laughs> it was like 49, mm-hmm. right? So now we've got like a 50, a 56, and a 57, depending on the platform. So Now, I've, I've heard PC rates uh, significantly higher. 
And this case is true. The 57 is from the PC. Yeah, I heard it's much better experience. Yeah. yeah. It probably looks a lot nicer. So a few, a few notable scores. Actually, one notable score is that 1UP actually gave the game a 0. That's harsh. That's, that's, and, but to be fair, um, Metacritic scores, especially depending on how the site scores, if right. they score on a four-point scale and they give it a one-star, that's a zero. Or no, I guess that'd be a 25, but they can give it no stars. I mean, it's yeah. there's no middle ground. I don't see how anybody by any metric could give a published game a zero. I mean, give it like a one, okay, but yeah. a zero? Well, the thing is, it's it's not like it's so buggy you can't play. It's not. I mean, it's it's totally playable. It's um, it's what I expected from it. It's it's the direct sequel to Duke Nukem Two. Okay. Um, Metacritic is totally broken because now it's saying that it has a forty ninety one. So, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Metacritic. The reviews are still pouring. Yeah. Maybe they're, only, maybe they're listening. <laughs> only only the entire industry is fate is hinging on the numbers that your site produces. Uh, accuracy is not important. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, that uh, that forty nine kind of drew an interesting fate for uh, for the topic of our conversation here the uh, PR manager yeah so why don't you you know all about this right uh, I don't have the details in front of me but I know the story basically. yeah so why don't you tell us about what happened uh, basically the scores come back um, the PR manager for who's responsible for distributing Duke Nukem and you know bringing in those favorable reviews sees how they're coming back and instead of just taking it with a grain of salt, like most people do when their games get panned. Uh, he or a barrel de- decided to <laughs> decided to fight back with uh, with Twitter. And yes, the, the vehicle of <laughs> of combat of choice is mm-hmm. Twitter, which is always the best way to air your frustration. Yeah, uh, see, this is what I don't understand, right? And th- this happens. We were just talking about this earlier with uh, what's his name, Robert Ebert, and the Jackass tweet he did. I mean, I don't know. Did you guys hear about that? Oh, yeah, but, with Ryan Dunn. So, so yeah, t- yeah. tell me the jackass tweet. Well, I, you might need to correct me, but, but um, so, you know, the, the jackass guy, Ryan Dunn, he, he gets killed in that tragic car accident, and it had been known he was at a bar before that. We don't know if he was drunk or not. I'm sure a lot of people assumed he was, but we don't know the facts. Anyway, regardless, shortly thereafter, Roger Ebert tweets something to the effect of, you know, here's a tip: don't drink and drive with a jackass. Is that essentially yeah, what it friends was? Friends don't let friends or friends don't let jackasses drive drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how how tasteless is that? High comedy, and my friend. You put it on Twitter, right? People say if you don't want the public to see, don't even bother emailing it, right? Because mm-hmm. email is so insecure. And yet these people post it on Twitter for everybody to see. Well, in, in that it, instance, it makes no sense to me. In that, that in that instance, he he wanted that to be seen, you know, and he stood up for it because. Who Ebert? Uh, yeah. Well, he's okay. since apologized. Uh, last I saw, he was he was still defending it because Huffington Post, all their commenters were on his side. All the writers were against him, saying he was tasteless. But the the only thing I think he did is he didn't wait for the autopsy. You know, if that would have come back and shown that he was drunk or had alcohol in the system, whatever, then you put it out there as a what do you expect? You're driving a hundred and some miles an hour in a Porsche in dark curves while you're drunk. It's yeah, bound to happen. But don't don't you think that that lesson is learned anyway? I mean, these these are people that that had families, right? That had, had parents that cared deeply about them, and wives that cared about them, and, and just to to what are you trying to do there? Like just pour salt in the wounds and make that point? I think Roger Ebert is a critic, and he was critiquing the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, you should stick to movies. He was, <laughs> he was definitely critiquing something, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm kind of with Trapper on this. I mean, it's like, what are you conveying? 
Like, it's not like you can choose a better means for comedy if comedy is your shtick, right? I yeah, think. Which it's not for Roger Ebert. And no, it's, and it's no, not it's his not shtick. At all. And it's, it's I, yeah, I mean, like, I just thought, like, what does that accomplish? So the Twitter that actually, this guy's name is Jim Redner, the Twitter that got him fired, right? Mm-hmm. And it was basically the publisher of Take Two saying, um, okay, we're never going to work with you again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Twitter was. Too many went too far with reviews. We are reviewing who gets games next time and who doesn't based on today's Venom. So he, he tweeted this before the, the publisher said, we're not going to work with you. This caused right, the publisher right. to say, okay. Exactly. Okay. This is what set off the whole chain of events. And this is really interesting because there are, there are a few things, Eric, maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not. Um, there are a few things about the dynamic between you know the press and the media press and the press are the media the press it is an intricate relationship and, <laughs> indeed the press and the game publishers where certain things are always happening behind the scenes that are kind of questionable and not very on the up and up and the thing is it just it never really comes out into the public until when things like this happen mm-hmm. and this is a great example of it often Game publishers or PR people who represent them will be like, oh, we don't like how you're treating our games. Guess what? We're going to, for want of a better term, blacklist you, mm-hmm. right? Or we're not going to send you, we're not going to listen, we're not going to talk to you for a while because we're the petulant child mm-hmm. and we're going to punish you for not acting in accordance with the way we want you to. And this is, this is the crazy thing about it, right? Is that depending on how you phrase it, it's either totally okay or totally immoral. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, you know, there's right before the show, this this Jim Redner individual, um, we were reading this uh, article, this guest article he wrote on Wired. If you go on Wired.com, you can look up Jim Redner and you can find his article. And, you know, he basically says, hey, look, I get like, let's say, 400 game copies to send out, pre-release copies to send out, and I get maybe twice as many requests from press. And... I need to use some selection process to choose who I send it out to. And naturally, I'm going to send out the copies to the people who I think will produce the best net result for what I'm trying to do for the game, which to him is get the best reviews. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. on the face of it, okay, that sounds okay. Right? Yeah, and you know what? The Having just kind of started to delve into the whole uh, PR side with the, uh, the sister site, uh, Golgatron, you know, I've had to explain a couple reviews that we've sent out in the past that were negative and got us, you know, like you said, blacklisted. Um, right. And you explain them to the publisher or just to the people? To the PR. The readers? To the, to, no, to the PR people. Okay. No, the readers love it. The readers eat it up. And that's that's the, the fine line because you get sensational reviews, you get big hits, right. you know, you get... Um, you well, know, here's Redner's here's position is that, hey, you know, if you have a negative comment, as long as it's backed up by something, it's, you know, opinions are not wrong. Right. The point where like this gets into this practice is is okay to this practice is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. At least to me, it appears to be when your criteria is, oh, I don't like what this guy is doing, so I won't support him. As opposed to this guy's really treating us unfairly. Because who decides what's unfair? Right. Right. Because your opinion of unfair is different from Trapper's opinion and from my opinion, even mm-hmm. in the same situation. Well, and and this, um, you know, is a similar vein to that uh, recent Supreme Court decision about Walmart and the uh, sexual discrimination. 
the difference between this huge class action suit that went to the Supreme Court and nothing was the fact that some of these managers flat out told these women, because you're a woman, I don't think that you're going to relocate with your kids for a promotion. If he would have just internalized that and made the decision, no one would have ever known. And not saying that it's the right way to do business, but the fact that they said it, now it's a problem. Right. And right. this guy would have, you know, drank his warm glass of milk and went to bed and thought, man, I'm never going to send those guys review copies again. Nothing would have happened. Yeah, the hilarious right. thing is that this happens so much. And, mm -hmm. like, just a glimmer of this got leaked out into the public. And people shouldn't think that this is an exception because really, like, this is, like, the norm of the way things work. Right. It's a constant battle between the media outlets and and, and the PR people. It's a constant struggle of power. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually kind of curious. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left in this segment. But, um, you know, when you were confronted by those things in, you know, in, in your stuff, it's like, did, did you feel like you were writing something fair and they're criticizing you unfairly or putting um, you to task unfairly? I... I saw their point of view. They need these reviews to sell the games, to put on press sheets and all that. And by me not providing it to them, all they're doing is giving me a free game for nothing. You know, they're, and it's, it's a waste. Well, we'll be back and we'll hear more about that. Arizona's News Talk Leader, KFNX, AM 1100. And we are back. That's right. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And we're talking about the aftermath of the Duke Nukem Forever nuclear explosion. Mm -hmm. And before we continue on to that, I want to tell everybody about our wonderful sponsor. That's UAT, the University of Advancing Technology, where you can learn all kinds of stuff about making games. You didn't go to UAT. I did. did you? you did. I did. I graduated... Uh a while ago now, eight years ago, I think. So Trapper, our guest, went to UAT, and now, naturally, he's a coding badass. So uh, I can tell you um, it was a really, really good school. And he says yeah, it's a really it's, good it's school. It's the type of thing I didn't appreciate at the time, but now, looking back, it was an awesome school. And I would recommend it to really anybody who wants to go there. And in fact, I've interviewed you know, dozens of people over my career right and now now and, carefully uh, hand me this hundred dollar bill without <laughs> making any sound yeah and anyway it's true the ones from from uat they always really did stand out for whatever reason i, I think maybe because they really had a passion for it but it's a good place wow so a, a right. re resounding um, uh, that was totally un unexpected yeah totally you unscripted at you should be good for the rest of the year <laughs> yeah so you should you should actually like send them an invoice but uh, outstanding Anyway, um, UAT.edu, go there, and we spent uh, too long on this promo. Okay. So, um, yeah, the Duke Nukem thing, right? So you're talking about – you. so you felt like when – do you know – can you talk about, um, Eric, specific things in, like, reviews or articles that you've written that you've gotten a, a discussion about from, from PRs, let's say? Well, personally, I actually um, – my reviews, I – I'm not, you know, trying to brag or anything, but I try to be as unbiased as possible. They're the best reviews really, ever written by really good. by by the, the hand. It's a <laughs> it's a relative term, but yeah, they're the best ever relative to the the ones around them. But uh, no, we we have a, a specific writer who likes to 
come into these situations with a negative uh, stigma attached to pretty much everything. Very hard to please individual. And, um, you know, saying certain things like, um, you know, this this game is the worst thing I've ever played. I couldn't sit down and do it for more than 10 minutes. You know, it uh, put me to sleep. It infuriated me. When all of these things are really specific to this, you know, yeah. person. See, now, the, these types of things, I just want to interject real quickly. I would never actually write comments like that in a review. Mm-hmm. Well, the way, but, but keep going. The way I approach it, because um, I do a lot of basically content direction, editorial uh, work with the site. Um, all the stuff comes through me before it gets to the pit, to the front page, and it's uh, my my rule basically is since we're not sponsored, we um, I will publish any negative review of a game that they purchase themselves. If it's uh, and you know of course it's still I may not send those reviews to the the distributors for those games, um, you know. But if we get a promotional copy from a distributor, I try to match it up with somebody who's going to look at it with at a fair angle. Um, and if it still turns out bad, that's fine. You know, if I know that person played through the game, gave it a good shot, just wasn't that great. Could have been better, maybe compared to a few other contemporaries. It was just subpar. That's fine. And usually, when we do those types of reviews. They match up dead on with you know the meat of Metacritic. It's the ones that, when we send out zeros, you know, and stuff like that, that are just obvious um, FUs, <laughs> you know, to the distributor. It's uh, so. So what's that about? I mean, is that is that do you think that those are genuine evaluations of the product, or just somebody you know like tripped on a on a rope or something that day and I, was angry? When when reviews go out with a zero, that's a statement, you know, and it's it. It's usually done to make the point that this game... I mean, obviously, an experienced reviewer is going to know that the game's not the worst game ever made. Right. It's it's pretty tough to hit that hit that mark, but even with Duke Nukem. It is. But uh, they... You know, all they're trying to get across is that um, we have a huge collection of viewers or readers, and we want to let them know that this game, from our standpoint, is absolute garbage compared to what it should have been. And when somebody like uh, One Up or Joystick or you know the big sites do that, it's they'll still get review copies. Like in this instance, that guy lost his job. If it would have been a couple little guys sending bad reviews, he might not have even said anything. You know, and honestly, I'm, well, I'm sure, I'm sure if they were they were little guys, he wouldn't. Have and cared, and really. he doesn't even have the power, I'm sure, to make those types of decisions. You know, when it comes to the big guys. They're not going to completely boycott a major game site just because they got a bad review. Uh, well, I mean, sometimes it's actually it's it's kind of happened even with the major outlets. But you know, like like I said, it's like a power struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So the the larger outlets have a little more leverage that they can use in order to resist those types of things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a uh, it's a pretty common um, opinion that I've seen around the game sites and forums and whatnot that. The bigger the outlet, like uh, IGN, um, G4, stuff like that, uh-huh. the more consistently um, padded their review scores are. And you know, the, you, what's funny too is the score is all that matters. The review itself, most people don't read. You know, a lot of people skim them. Metacritic doesn't read them; they look at the score. Right. So uh, if you watch uh, uh, X Play, for example, you can watch them 
just destroy a game. It's broken, it's flawed, the pacing's terrible, multiplayer freezes, couldn't play it, it you know, locked up, had all these bugs. I'll give it a three out of five. Like it's it happens I've never seen a lower score than a three out of five on that show. That could be their zero. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, there, it there are some outlets that, yeah, that were even worse than that, actually. Yeah. Right? And if, if, if they've, exactly. And if the lowest they give is a four out of five or five out of five or whatever, then readers eventually are going to just completely disregard them entirely. Uh, I personally disregard a couple major sites because of that same issue. Completely. Utterly obliviate, you know, just any type of obliterated game in in the review, and and then give it like eighty five. If these numbers are so reliable, then why why is there this perception, or 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 maybe it's, it is in fact the reality that people just don't really read and they just look at the score anyway. Well, um, you know, I don't, that's a good point. I don't know. I uh, this is this is to me this is like the like one of the one of the like sublime ironies of like. Of, of video game press is that all of the meaning of anything you wanted to convey about what a game is like is in the text of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And they completely waste that opportunity. It's, it's, I mean, they're like, I, I, I've described the act of writing reviews as often, I hope I can say this masturbatory, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, so many times, like I've, I've pretty much, I, I, I rarely read reviews now, and it's for that reason that the writer seems more concerned at entertaining themselves by their process of writing than, like, oh, 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 oh I could, I came up with an analogy that mm. this is like, you know, like doing something, you know, in the bathroom, ha ha ha, like, oh, I never thought I could be so clever, right? Rather than, to me, the obligate, like, I actually think that reviewers have an obligation, and, they, and that obligation is to convey to whoever's reading what the game is like and what the game could be like for them, not for necessarily the reviewer, as succinctly and as accurately as possible. So so don't you think this it's not just game reviews, but it, it's really what's taking over all of media is where Rather than factual, they just try and get more and more entertaining because of the tabloid style well, well, reporting that's part that, of that, that you know, grabs readers. We, we've kind of like we've we've kind of discussed this a couple of times in the past, and like I've been to you know like industry conferences where it's where it's like it's like a panel where everyone complains about reviewers, right? And the shield that reviewers constantly hide behind, which I think is the crappiest shield ever, and you guys should stop it, is wait a minute, this is entertainment. And they use that shield of oh, this yeah. is entertainment oh, sure. to just completely excuse them from any responsibility whatsoever. And that is just total crap. And I, I don't know if you actually skimmed through the, the reviews on Metacritic. Many of them in their little blurbs start out with, if you take this game for what it is, and it's pure juvenile entertainment, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, some of the reviews that were positive yeah. wrote it off for that. It's a popcorn movie. You know, what do you expect? Yeah. That's, um, that's the other problem, right? The other angle is that all, too many reviewers, they don't review things as what they are. They review things as what they wish they could have been. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that that's a fair way to review. Well, and I think that's why Duke Nukem got the low scores it did. The game is pretty bad, yeah. only compared to every other first-person shooter that's out. They, but they perfectly captured the character and the, uh, you know, the toilet humor, the juvenile aspects of the game. That it was completely captured and it was um, made modern. It was actually a little more edgy than it ever was before. 
and the gameplay was fine. It just wasn't as polished, you know, as most first-person shooters are, and uh, you know the pacing was kind of off. But I mean, it was not—it was a C game. It wasn't an F game. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, there's the music. We'll be back with other topics in a minute. again it's chatterbox video game radio and i think i think we're done talking about duke nukem and and the press yeah or duke it's it's an interesting topic for sure. On, only real foley here <laughs> at chatterbox nice so what's next so okay so trapper Ara, here's the time of the show where you tell us what mysterious projects you've been up to and now this is a layperson show so please don't delve into discussion of pointers and dereferencing right away. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was, I was on here, what, about a year ago you guys had me on. That was yeah, awesome, rough, awesome time. And uh, anyway, since then I've kind of left my job there at Rainbow and I've ventured out on my own. And uh, I am working on, or we're going into open beta, we're writing a tool for Unity. And now if you guys don't know what Unity is... What's it, Unity, okay. Trapper? Unity is a, is a really cool game engine. Um Really popular with indies, but it gaining more traction with uh, AAA developers. EA, I think, is using it for... They just used it for their Tiger Woods mobile game. Yeah, so what's game. a game engine? we got to be really basic. Okay, here. so it's, it's, the, uh, it's the tool set that lets you build a game. Beautiful. There you go. Okay. Anyway, really great for the indie crowd. It's like, it's like free, or what? Or do you have to pay 40 bucks good, if you're not a professional? What's the Good deal? question. Uh, or we don't know? It is free... Roughly, if you're doing PC games, if you're doing iOS things like that, it, it, there's like a a range from like five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars, and it's a lifetime license. So it's not just one game, but you pay that money and you could get it, make as many games as you want with that. And, so, and the reason for that, of course, obviously, is that the PC games all get pirated, while the iOS games will at least make five hundred to a thousand dollars before they get pirated. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure you're right. Um, so anyway, uh, if you're Readers are all familiar with the Unreal and the Unreal Engine, which I'm sure they are, right? Fantastic games that thing puts out. There's this uh, there's this this tool that allows you to build a lot of the gameplay without needing to write any code. It's called a visual it's a visual scripter they call it, and its name is Kismet. We're writing the equivalent for Unity, so people can uh, designers such as yourself, non technical people, not saying you're not technical, <laughs> but you understand, designers, artists, they can now author. I would say 75% or more of the gameplay using this visual scripter, which is essentially like a flow chart, chart where you drag and drop things you want to happen. Instead and of like links. writing code, writing functions, exactly. you're basically drawing boxes and clicking on things. Exactly. So and, are, are uh, you manipulating objects on a stage, or are you creating visual flow charts? You're creating visual flow charts that each node represents an object in the game or an action you want it to do. So basically, it's a lot of, uh, if this happens, then do this action, otherwise do this action. Exactly. Uh, um, we, we have some, some great videos up where 
whole alarm sequence where you can go hack this alarm and turn it off and it allows you to go through this door and if you don't the alarm goes off all that was created just through the the visual script that we're working on uh the name for it is uscript and it's going into open beta a week from thursday and the open beta is free so if any of your listeners are indie game guys or experimental game programmers whatever um they can go to uscript.net download it and uh, we'd love to hear what they think of it Okay, uscript.net. Uscript. And, and that's the letter U. The letter U, thank you. Not the not you, the not the personal pronoun. You right. The letter right. U script.net. Not like telling people like you script. Exactly. Oh, okay. It's like you script. Much like you draw. It's a, yeah, interestingly. <laughs> yes, okay. Or a UAT for that. Uh, there you go. That's a lot of U's. Um so <laughs> we're excited. There's been a lot of positive feedback and um, we're really looking to help people make games. We've been working on this in our spare time for about a year. And so we're excited to see where it goes. So are you? how much more development do you think that you're going to do on this overall? Uh, well, really with open beta, we're just going to listen to the feedback from the community. We've, had, we've been in closed beta for a while now with, uh, I don't know, roughly maybe 100 different testers kind of coming and going. So we've got open beta. We're just going to unleash it to everybody and um, kind of see where that goes. We want it just get a smooth experience that, that people feel they can build great games. And if it's popular, then, you know, the sky's the limit for it. So this uh, this uScript um, does it work only with PC or does it work with iOS also? It'll work with any platforms Unity supports. Actually, what it does is when you save the script, it actually writes the code for you. So you can go to the file and see all the generated code. So if you're trying to teach yourself to code, it's kind of a cool little thing. You can go and see all the code it generated. Wow, it outputs all code, huh? It outputs all code. That's totally rad. Yeah, thanks. We're so you need excited. that. You still need that Unity license. You do need the Unity okay, license. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can get the indie one for free if you just want to kind of play around with it and check it out. And so, they, can, they can provide feedback uh, at the website? Yes, thank you. We're setting up a, a huge web portal with um, you know, feedback, and, and, and people can write their own custom plugins for it, essentially, and upload those for people to use. So, hmm. so it's a pretty big deal so they can for us. Sh- they can share their beta projects? Yes. Excellent. Yes. So if you're a computer science student <laughs> and you're really bad at programming and you want to cheat on your assignment... We've had a user try and do that. <laughs> he got into our closed beta, and uh, he's still in school, and he was having trouble writing his... Uh, I assume he was at a game school because they are using Unity, and he wanted to use our, our stuff to generate some code. I have no idea how it went for him, but it was a, kind of a cool thing. Let me tell you, all you computer science students that do this, if you're having trouble now, only more troubles That's will true. follow you. That's true. If you don't get programming if it's not your passion look at doing something else because otherwise you're just going to be miserable for a long time yeah it, it just, has to be fun that's mm-hmm. right and actually it's it's funny like i would say a similar thing just for game development in general absolutely there's so much competition that if you don't love to be beaten every day physically <laughs> okay maybe not physically you have to maybe get your soul like, crushed a, a lot you, you do like if your soul is not resilient to repeated crushing then Perhaps another line of work is best for me. I think my soul is one big callus at this point. Yeah. 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 Well, my, it sounds like you're there, too. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty fun. So, actually, you know what would be a great place for you to announce this? Is that? that is that the next local Phoenix independent game developer association meeting. And I'd love to actually show up this time. And I would every I, single time, I can't make it for some And I would love for, for you to show up and... We do. They do monthly meetings, and it's usually about the first of every month. So um, we'll probably announce the exact uh, info when that comes up, uh, maybe next show. 
I will, I'll definitely be there. Just let me know when it is. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so enough about Trapper. <laughs> okay. Um, I've heard that you've brought me a gift. I have. Thank you uh, for... So now it's time to talk about me. Okay, now time to talk about Ara. So I found out, Ara, that you are, were a uh, big shoot 'em up fan. Shmups, is I, that what we call I, them? I remain one. Okay. This is true. Outstanding. So I subscribe to the best magazine ever called Retro Gamer. Ooh. It's published only in the UK, so it costs me $150 a year to subscribe mm-hmm. for 12 issues. Yeah. Ooh. But I love it. And it drives my wife crazy, I think. And my favorite time Crazy of the like week, a fox. Crazy like a fox. Is Friday night, I pop open my beer, and I drink, I drink my beer, and I read my Retro Gamer. There's no better time. Anyway, I brought you two issues that cover shoot-em-ups. Wow. One talks about Axley, which I think I mentioned to you before. Axley. A great Super NES. Yeah, this is probably... I think this is actually one of the best Super Nintendo games. Well, outstanding. Game. They do an awesome history. Usually, they talk to the developers of it. Oh, my gosh. And, my uh, my hand is trembling in my hand. So this, this cover. It's a slightly used condition because I know everybody I, can't see I, I it. I can but, see uh, this, but you know what? All all of the pages are there. Are no pages sticking to each no, other. No, they're not sticky pages. It's, it's clean. It, it's clean and, enough. And so for that, I'm greatly appreciative. Now uh, the next must one not here, have any reviews in there. <laughs> <laughs> the next one here is even uh, even the even the page with the uh, with the ending of Tekken Two featuring Anna in the shower is also clean. Yes, so that's yeah, very see, impressive. Well, there you go. Um, the next one I brought for you is a little bit newer, and it covers a company called Cave. Are you familiar with Cave? Oh yes, I am. Okay, oh, all yeah. the Japanese shoot 'em ups. Anyway, um, it's an awesome. I think it's like a four page article. So this one's yours to keep too. Wow. I am I am so appreciative. There's, this is totally rad. There's also some awesome trivia in there if you want to do trivia on your radio show. We there is and we do and we will. Outstanding. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy them. I, I love the magazine and I want to pass them on to anybody who reads them because it's a shame just to have them sit there because it's just yeah. It's great. Have you read them before, Eric? I I've seen I believe I've seen them at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And their price they're just horribly terrified. Yeah, it's like ten dollars. I got it um, for crit. I got it from my parents for Christmas about two years ago. Oh, I'd yeah. never heard of it. This is and this would I'm never like, fly in the U.S. This is the most amazing game ever. No, no, it would never. And 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 I just want to tell the listeners in the corner, right? They've got this <laughs> little like starburst flag thingy, and it says "old!" exclamation mark. Yeah, with the rainbow. With the rainbow. I, so I don't know why the rainbow's there. The old, the old is well, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know that either. Yeah. So, but um, anyway. Anyway, quick funny story. When I first went online to subscribe, it said something like 50 or 75. And I thought, well, that's kind of high, but whatever. And I subscribed. Oh, it was in pounds. So it was actually <laughs> oh, twice, twice as much, much as nice. you think. Yes. yes. But totally worth it. Well, at no. least you did it a couple of years ago when the U.S. dollar was a little exactly. stronger than it is now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Few, few things feel worse. Actually, that's not even true. But then, then I took a trip to London once and discovering that the numbers of the price everywhere, strictly speaking, are the same. They're just in a currency that's twice as valuable as the one that you use. <laughs> oh. Yes, Ouch. exactly. Right? So it's like five pounds for something that costs five dollars here, right? Oh, yeah. So you know, you spend like twenty bucks on like some crappy breakfast with. Mm. Yeah, those English have some funny breakfasts. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get uh, crumpets. So it is. No, it's you know they get you the beans, yeah, beans for breakfast, oh, yeah, t- and then tasty. Like, yeah, yeah, totally awesome. Did they have yeah. the? Uh, it comes with eggs. Did they too. have the poutine with gravy on everything? No, well, that no that's a, Montreal. That's just a Canadian thing. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we'll be back for the last segment.
And we are back once again. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio for the final segment. And before we go on, I'll give out our toll-free number, 866-536-1100. Maybe we haven't angered you enough. Don't worry, we'll anger you very soon. Um, And I'd also like to mention UAT, our wonderful sponsor, the University of Advancing Technology, where you can go and learn about how to be a video game developer or maybe even some things not so related to video games. Anyway, go to their site, uat.edu. To find out more. All right, so let's see. We've got we've got uh, some little smorgasbord of stories here. Let's do it. So here's a funny one. You guys know uh, Take Two, Take Two Interactive. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the CEO, his name's uh, Strauss Zelnick. <laughs> very very uh, executive sounding name. <laughs> and there's a recent story about how he actually uh, sounds like it was a, a f- interview uh, in Forbes. Where he says, um, yeah, you know what, uh, you know, we should be able to make uh, $40 tablet games. So, without uh, much exposition here, what do you guys think about the prospect of $40 tablet games? I can, I can see it happening. I don't know if it's uh, something that will be accepted very widely, but uh, I can definitely see it happening just because um, the I've spent $40 on an iPhone app. Like to buy it or yeah to buy it. Which one? You're the uh, one. Navigon to is the GPS app. No, just have to oh, okay. That's, that's not a game though. No, but no, you're, no that's that's some premium functionality there, my friend. You're yes, and for. I've definitely got got the value out of it. But um, for them to warrant that type of price, we have to see some unbelievable yeah. gameplay. Built in built in GPS functionality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need what? maps of Canada for that kind of price. <laughs> what do you think, Trapper? Yeah, it's interesting because. You know, you think about a box product for 40 or $60, they don't make that much money, right? The amount of money they make on a box product is is, is really small. I, I don't know the numbers, but I, I, th- I believe it's like $10 or less. It goes, so, goes through a lot of middlemen. Yeah, a lot yeah. of middlemen, right? So why they're expecting to bring $40 in or maybe they get 70% of that for iPad app is, is and thinking they they can is surprising. Yeah. And because what what's the normal price right now for for those types of games? Isn't it like fifteen? Premium is 15. premium. Yeah, like absolute max. You're yeah. looking at 15. I, if if I have to spend more than five dollars for an iPad app, I, yeah. you know, give it a second thought. Yeah. Um. Anyway, as long as the barrier to entry is is so low for these you know these teenagers in their their parents' basement or whatever, it's going to be tough to offer something forty dollars unless like like Eric said, it's really really some must have thing. But I, I really. Right. I don't see that happening well, until I, inflation catches up and forty dollars is standard. I, I think well, <laughs> maybe he's, he's a visionary. I think it's important to remember too that uh, they won't necessarily be kids because they have to have a credit card on file to be able to purchase the apps. So there's the vast majority I think will just be the same core gamer demographic that consoles would appeal to. But I just don't see them creating a console experience on tablets without tactile controls. So I want to read a quote from him that which is. Obvious, but at the same time also revealing in a certain way. At the end of the day, we are interested in creating economic value. And what we intend to do is make something and sell it to millions and millions of people and sell it at a high price. You don't want to spend lots and lots of money to make something you're going to sell to a small amount of people at a low price. Wow. 
Well, that's that's coming from a that's large deep. production so. place, you know, like the the whole way that that uh, you know the App Store works is that you do have some basement coder who does work really hard on something that he sells for very little, and then maybe makes you know maybe hits it big, maybe right. he makes the next uh, whatever Angry Birds or whatever. Right. Here's the thing, right? With I, I always find this pricing thing fascinating because. The executives and, and, you know, like Sony, for example, if Sony had everything to do with how games are priced and, you know, in their in their markets, they have a lot to do with it. They will sell them for as much as they could possibly get away with it Mm -hmm. for. And for things like console retail games, they have actually they have pretty much I mean, they didn't they didn't set the precedent, obviously, because Nintendo was around way before them. Right. But they have even I mean, I've heard an executive speak at a conference and basically literally say that you know we want to sell our products for as the highest possible price that we mm-hmm. can we can right and it's funny because the retail i mean the retail like it's like 40 50 60 dollars right depending mm-hmm. but now in like in the digital space something funny happened because the precedent has been set already and it's exceptionally low mm-hmm. and this is really problematic you never actually hear Maybe maybe this is naive of me to say, but you never really hear about corporations who sell DVDs complaining or tr- about the price of DVDs, right? Or that th- you know that we're trying to make them more expensive, and you know. Well, I think that DVDs are f- relatively cheap compared to like retail games. Right? Yeah, but I think the uh, the piracy factor is why that they the, it's same with the music industry when you can now buy brand new CDs for eight bucks. It's it's because if they didn't make it a no brainer, people would steal it. But even even back, I mean, even several years ago, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, it's it's really hard to argue from piracy, but e- even several years ago, I mean, we've generally understood like you know video ca- video cassettes are pretty cheap, mm-hmm. you know, when they had those, right? That's like an antique now. That doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore, <laughs> right? Like videos have always been cheaper than games. Right. Yep. But the other interesting side of it is that videos have also generally sold way more volume than games. Oh yeah. And and something that's that there's always like nobody ever discusses this, and I don't know why. There is there's a certain trade-off, right? When you sell a product for a lower amount, you sell more units, right? And so it's not that you necessarily want to sell it for the highest price that you can get away with. You really want to sell it for the highest price compared to the number of volume that you sell, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, especially for digital stuff, mm-hmm. since selling more volume costs you nothing, right? I, I think that maybe that might one of might, that may be one of the reasons why the prices are being driven down so low for the digital distribution stuff is because it's you just you get your extra copies for free. Well, right? I, th- I think that a lot of it has to do too with what uh, finding that sweet spot where people will impulse buy something. Uh, you know, right. I mean, well, I, it's, it won't be at forty dollars. No, right? No, not at all. Like you said, even over five dollars, I do the same thing. I buy way, way too many apps. I try out pretty much every game that looks decent, and uh, if it's a buck, I don't think twice. If it's two dollars, I think for about a half a second, <laughs> and then five and up, I I look at reviews, I look at screenshots, all that stuff. So for me personally, the sweet spot's maybe one to two bucks. It's even three dollars. I think why why does this suddenly warrant three times the cost of 
say Angry Birds. Right. This is interesting because you're thinking of it in a proportion. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not thinking this is only three bucks. You're thinking this costs three times more than normal. Right. It's what is so special to, about this? Yeah, I try to put my uh, I try to put myself in their shoes and see how they think they can get away with this. And it's usually pretty obvious. They either have a ton of substance or they are just trying to yeah. get away with it. I think what you're looking at too is, is with these these price differences is like like I said before the barrier to entry is so low, right? So you you have maybe five guys that get together and they want to make a cool game. They're happy selling it for a dollar and you know hopefully selling mass amounts, right? Say two hundred thousand right. copies. And, and their economy and that, of scale is very different exactly, from a corporation. Exactly. So they make two hundred thousand dollars. They're thrilled. To whereas a big company, two hundred thousand dollars not even a drop in the bucket. So these bigger companies are trying to reinvent themselves and compete in this space. But they have such overhead and, and you know set up with all, with all the executives and CEOs mm-hmm. and all that that they can't afford to exactly and I, I charge little for those. It's games. it's that the big companies aren't agile like the little guys, the little group of three. Yeah, guys this or this this element actually like it really like it can't be understated. Like you would be amazed if you like. I mean, I'm sure all of us have a sense for how much more overhead mm-hmm. a corporation does versus like just an indie outfit of a few guys. Right, but. It is such a staggering difference. It is huge. And I think what it is is they see these; they can't compete with the little guys. It's 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 actually pretty flippin' amazing and kind of beautiful in a way that the the small guys can totally trounce the big guys because of this this tremendous amount of you know agility is a really good word that you. Yeah, and one thing I just wanted to get in there real quick um, now that people are listening because I've been preaching this forever and, and nobody ever. Seems to listen, but you guys do. Um, you know, you've got the the uh, the big corporations. They're all well. We should be able to demolish these smaller guys because we've got tools, we've got tech, we've got all this stuff written to to qu- put these games out quickly. But they don't realize is those five guys killing themselves. They will work night and day, twenty four hours a day to get this game done because they're passionate about mm-hmm. it. Whereas the team of a hundred paid employees that won't receive anything extra if the game sells huge or little. You know they're not going to work the same, not put the same amount of hours in. That game's going to cost a lot more to make than with those five guys. Well, and and the big companies too have those resources, so they figure let's leverage these resources, make a full fledged forty dollars oh, exactly, game, exactly. and then the little guys can't compete with us. And I think that's all they can do. And I think right now that's that's what they're going to try. And I can't see them succeeding. That's There's like nothing the they could do that's worth forty dollars for a game for iPad. Well said. Well, that's the music again. That means that's the end of the show. If you want to email me, you can do that at aura at chatterboxers.com, probably. <laughs> Chatterbox Go to our website. radio show. Whoa, 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 chatterboxers.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back next week. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.